I can hear you, Charles. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Hello and welcome to Patapod Extra. I hope you enjoyed the recent episode with my friend Charles Collins. Uh, we had a lovely evening chatting about music and going off on various tangents, which I thought you might quite like to listen to. Uh, this does come with a bit of a health warning, though, because I've been wrong about these things in the past. So here follows the bits that didn't quite make it into the main episode. Do keep listening for Charles's special mention of music that didn't make the top seven. I hope you enjoy. Do we have Maddie Hale to thank for you? We do, we do, yeah. Um, so I met Maddie on the Blow Sock Berlin tour. We got talking and I mentioned that I was like, she was like, oh, I sing. And I was like, oh yeah, I sing too. Like, uh, <laughs> I played Danny Zuko in Greece at school. So yeah, I'm like a pretty big deal. <laughs> and then she was like, oh, you should audition for St. Barnabas Cathedral Choir. So I did. And I think against everyone's better judgment, I was allowed in, but... Um, but yeah, no, so St. Barnabas, I really have a lot to thank for. <laughs> I think Blow Sock has got a lot to answer for, really, if I'm honest, um, uh, which I think we all know. What sort of music do you not like? I can't say I've ever got seriously into, like, gangster rap. Um, <laughs> I could, I, it doesn't, I mean, I just don't think it was meant to speak to me. Um, I think think it holds I think it has a very definite and certain and uh poignant place in music history I just don't think it's one that I can particularly identify with (laughs) I think your time will come well don't don't get me wrong I mean like I say gangster rap in the broadest of terms because again I'm not really sure what that means but I think like the um NWA album uh, Straight Out Compton is really good. It is actually because it has really like it, it's just a very kind of soulful album. There's a lot behind it. Are you moving around a lot? I moved around slightly there. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, no, that's fine. Um, do you want to do your thing about that album again? I, no, I don't because I think I dug myself <laughs> in a hole and then realised I don't really know what I'm talking <laughs> about. So I think I think I'm quite quite happy for that to just skip over. <laughs> skip over okay so gangster rap isn't really for charles collins that's fine um (laughs) we'll make a note um we'll add that maybe to say the second viennese school i wouldn't even begin to know what you're talking about (laughs) this is the thing i found is because mm, i didn't have the whole kind of because since joining st barnabas i've done the whole kind of technically church and wales um choral scholarship program and that whole world but going into it I had no idea like I just didn't like the whole chorus like there are people who've been choristers and have been like raised in that tradition and and have known it since they were literally like six or seven years old and there's a lot of kind of expectation I think when I was a kind of I was this 24 year old I think going to do this choral scholarship in Wales and Everyone was really lovely and I had a great time, but there were times when I just had to completely tune out of conversations. <laughs> I had no yeah. idea what they were talking about. But I think I, I had that with St Barnabas to an extent because I, my first proper choral experience, I was in the Ulster Youth Choir for two years and that was like an intense week of just, here's a lot of music and we're going to teach it to you. Um, 
and it was great. I had a really wonderful experience. It enlightened me in a lot of music that I'd never experienced mm-hmm. before at all. Um, and I learned a lot, but I didn't have that being in a church choir from the age of seven or eight, um, singing like proper mm-hmm. choral music. I sang along to hymns really mm-hmm. badly. And then when my voice broke, it was terrible. So I ended up playing the organ also really <laughs> badly. But I get to St. Barnabas and then I find myself in conversations where people were talking about all these composers and I'm like, I've never heard of this person. And then like, just not really being aware of what music was we were singing and how that fitted into the whole sort of musical landscape. I think it's really daunting and really can put you off a lot and think, oh, well, I'm not part of this group and you feel like an outsider. Um, I mean, that's everything that I've tried to break down. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I definitely felt that as well, having sung Undine. I think it was probably not some, an experience I would have had if I had sung with someone who kind of uh, assumed a lot more knowledge or kind of yeah, that kind yeah. of, maybe a bit more kind of haughty and protective about that kind of tradition and that kind of music. Well, yeah, I think a lot of people a lot of conductors sort of take themselves and the music and everything like way too mm-hmm. seriously. And they like when you're singing a particular composer's music or something and they make it this like fantastic thing. And you're like, well, no, you must get that note right because you know, this is like Bach or Palestrina or something. And you know, it needs to be a certain way. And it's like, yeah, well it does need to be right. But um, also that's not, where the music is like for me the music is what people are doing in the room and i want to have that experience and i find a lot of a lot of choral experiences that i've seen not necessarily experienced because i think we've been quite lucky at some point of us um but there's a lot i've heard recordings and seen other choirs at work where it's like the, the music is dead you're singing music by a dead composer and you're singing it like he's dead because it's I'm always nearly always a man. <laughs> yeah. um, well, also, like, you, they, they put all these composers on pedestals and then you find out that, you know, they beheaded their wife. I mean, for me, it's all about building confidence in people who are singing and to sing the music as best as you possibly can. But it's the music making is when that singer opens their mouth and they're doing it with other people and that's where the real magic happens and that's i just love that whole sort of thing about live performance mm. and that's where music is alive well that's because i know yeah i think that's so important because that's what puts a lot of people off i think is that people would sit in a concert and go oh what do i get like this person wasn't living in my in, in even the same kind of half of millennia uh how am i supposed to connect with this music yeah. and i say well it's actually like well it still formed the basis of like the kind of harmonic and melodic world we live now live in. Um, it's still relevant yeah. and, you know, you might not understand the words, but the music and the kind of connection there that you have is still happening in that moment. It's not a case of, you don't have to know the history of behind a piece of music to enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. And it will say a lot about the choir or the performer. It's their role to bring that, make that yeah, alive. And bringing something fresh to it uh and that's yeah i think where a lot of choirs fall down because they've got this sort of weight of history coming down on them and you think well well we've got to sing a piece of palestrina in a particular way or we've got to sing like a piece by amy summers in a particular way it's like well no it's just 
it's all just notes on the page and they i don't think there's anything different between amy summers and palestrina really not all they just want uh singers to make those notes alive and yeah anyway we've gone off on a completely different tangent so we've so gone my from... seven pieces oh. <laughs> <laughs> well i was just thinking we've gone from gans rap to palestrina which is exactly how i wanted this conversation to go yeah i thought that was, I thought that was the name of the podcast hello hello oh charles has gone we've lost charles i can't hear charles well, it was good while it lasted. We got to track one. <laughs> I'm just talking to myself now. It's embarrassing. Hello? Oh, hey, he made it back. Yeah, so maybe this time it was kind of transplanted from another, well, that's just from a kind of standalone song into the musical. I think category. so, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Um, I mean, it works pretty well from the one scene I've seen it using. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, I mean, I need to go back and watch that episode of Shit Squeak again when they're it's, doing I've, the... I've watched that episode maybe so... 20 times. I, I love it so much. Also, the, the, um, the opening number with uh, the character Patrick as the MC. Uh, he is honestly my favorite um it's the i think it's the the one before they're doing the show and they're uh they're doing that dance routine and moira rose comes in and discovers that they've been rehearsing behind her back um <laughs> i think that's just one of my favorite things of all time uh i just love it or when um when moira runs into the rehearsal room because they can't find stevie dressed, <laughs> dressed ready to do the part <laughs> Man, it's the world. Go around the world. Go around. <laughs> it's so good. I haven't watched the sixth season. Yeah, I haven't started, and I'm just not ready. I think I need some time because I think I'll, once I start, I'll just binge watch it. And uh, I just don't. I know. I know. I'm going to be so. I'm just going to feel so empty when I've watched it all. Yeah, yeah. That's how I felt with Clone Wars when it finished <laughs> um, last week. It's honestly the same. I are you a Star Wars fan, Charles? You're going to say no, right <laughs> No, so again, I hadn't watched Star Wars until I went to university. And That's I said, fine. And then I said, thank you so much. <laughs> it, all, like, it all takes us a different amount of time to get there. So I think... Yeah, it's true. Um, I think, yes, yeah, so I, I still only watch the original trilogy. I haven't seen the prequels. Uh, so oh, but I have, hates... I have watched, I've watched all the new ones, though. Oh, have you? Okay. I mean... I know you don't care, Charles, but I'm just going to go on. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, and, I might make a suggestion that you start another podcast. <laughs> just just myself. Because I'm pretty sure that's not being done. <laughs> <laughs> it should be. <laughs> really should be. Tell us about your honourable mentions for the top seven. Well, so basically, I panicked because I was concerned that I had not gauged the tone of the podcast correctly. <laughs> Charlie, you are the tone of the podcast. Thank you. I, I'm happy to be a founding member. Um, and so basically <laughs> I kind of panicked and I wrote down a couple of um, 
Well, actually, they're works as opposed to individual pieces that I like in a more classical uh, vibe. Okay. But, um, so the first is Derufe's Requiem, which I think is Ugh. just incredible. Do you not like it? I love it. No, I do. <laughs> um, so you can't really tell with the same sound that I use for literally everything in my life. Um, tell us about the Derufe's Requiem. What is it about it that you like? Is there a particular movement that you like? The only thing I can tell you is that it's just, again, just an incredibly beautiful piece. Uh, I think the Sanctus is one of my favourites. Yeah. Um, I think it's just so clever how the harmonisation of the plain song, I think it's just so good. And it, it retains that kind of simplicity and sense of being direct of the plain song. And it's not over fussy. It's not particularly complicated. I think for a Requiem, it's really quite accessible. I think you could listen to it and be like, that's an incredible piece of music without being, without thinking, oh, well, like, what's the history of the artist? And I don't know. Yeah, it's quite direct, I think, in its language. Um, yeah. It all feels very sort of organic, really, and the piece feels as if it's come out of the plain song really organically instead of being like oh i'm going to create a piece around plain song and you can just as soon as it starts i can smell the incense (laughs) yeah that's the thing i think that's i think that's what i was trying to get at was that it has this feeling of being completely reverent and completely suiting to the purpose that it was meant to um fulfill whilst at the same time just being incredible music mentions uh yeah i think uh so and this is something that really reminds me of nottingham um and i remember you were in my final year the, the last term you kind of asked me is there anything you really want to sing before you go and i said Vaughan williams mass in g minor <laughs> i think it's my favorite mass setting and i just love Vaughan williams in general i think f- since hearing sleep uh Ivor gurney that kind of really started me on the kind of english song yeah um path and there's there's so much by Vaughan Williams which is just I mean I like it because a lot of it's for baritone so I can sing it but (laughs) um and it's all about me um and but the Vaughan Williams Mass in G minor I think is just amazing I just love it so much it it reminds me I think part of it is it reminds me so much of singing in Nottingham because there was a there was a period where we um I think it was a year that we did it two or three times and it was just so good. I just loved it every time that we did it.
the other piece that almost made the list was um, Ob Bosomes by Casal that we sang in Barcelona. It's so good. (laughs) It's just so... The middle of it, it's just the attendite is just so cathartic. You're just screaming. I think one of my favorite things about it is that you have this kind of timid, lush, kind of this, this, yeah, this, this plea, but this very kind of um, kind of like, oh, you know, if you're not busy, <laughs> like, this is what I need you to do. Um, kind of, and then, but it's still this lush kind of, you know, it has this incredible anguish in the middle. Mm. And then yeah. my favourite bit is the last phrase where it starts exactly like it does at the beginning, but with a major third instead. Yeah. And it's just that kind of, that kind of, I don't know this the, the kind of beam of light is kind of like oh okay well I've gotten that out of my system now so <laughs> like I've I've shouted and now let's like talk again I don't know <laughs> that's kind of the image I have in my head yeah but I think there's something there's something quite uh, meaningful about that in terms of the whole sort of meaning behind Good Friday yeah definitely and, um and I I always find it when I'm talking to members of the congregation who um. Uh, there's a friend of mine, Kate, who said um, to me, it's just like, this is Good Friday is always like the worst funeral you've ever been at. Um, But you know that it's so it has to be done and this is what we've got to go through because of the light at the end of the tunnel. And there's glimpses of that light uh, like in the music that we do. And I think that's exactly that bit, that moment where there's that major third. And you go, okay, this is the beginning, but actually this is sort of different. And maybe there is something more optimistic about this devastating thing that we're all going through right now. Um, yeah. Gosh, I'm not even Catholic. No, it's, it's interesting you're talking about the catharsis as well, is that, you know, this kind of, you know, that's, you might have a reluctance to go to rehearsal or something and then being there and having that kind of release and that kind of, um, the connection you have with the other people who are there. And I remember actually very specifically this one time with singing at the St. Barnabas Cathedral Choir. Like, I, I, I haven't had like a particularly bad day. I've just been in a weird mood all day where I was kind of quite irritable and people have been annoying me by not really doing much. And I think I was just kind of restless. I think I just had this energy that was kind of making me quite um, uh, volatile in a way. And I was going to choir that evening and I was kind of like, I was kind of thinking, oh, I don't really want to go. I just want want to stay in my room, whatever. And I was like, no, no, I, I, I need to go, I need to go. And we did the V-door 
uh, mass oh. that starts with the the chord de baritone. Is that that's the Vidor, right? I'm not thinking. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we did the Vidor that starts with the chord de baritone, baritone, <laughs> and um, <laughs> that was just that was exactly what I needed at that point. <laughs> was just yeah. singing at the top of my lungs at the beginning of this piece and just getting it all out. I think that's what I think that's what. There's been a big influx for people joining choirs and stuff. And I think Gareth Malone has a lot to answer for. And I think there's there are a lot of people who dislike Gareth Malone. But I think what he's done to encourage people to sing and just kind of make it accessible for people is incredible. I think there's no faulting that. I think and singing is something that, you know, pretty much everyone can do. You can go and join a choir with very little cost. You don't need to buy an instrument. You don't need to have any kind of prerequisite. There are choirs of all standards. And I think singing is something that so many people can do and so many people are afraid to do. So I think it's really good for people to be able to think, oh, I can go to this choir and I can start doing this thing, which is incredibly cathartic and a great way to meet people and be able to just have that connection with others without having to think about what you're going to say or trying to kind of make an effort to talk to other people. Yeah, you're still having that connection with people without... Without having to say anything. Without, without yeah. having to think, without having to try and articulate yourself. The articulation yeah. is there by the way that you're performing and by the way that you're singing. Yeah, and people can pick up a lot about how you're feeling and what's going on. Like with you, I think, uh, just how you sing and how you connect with them when you're singing. Uh there is a lot there that's unsaid. And I think that's really coming to the fore now. Um, the fact that we're, people are trying to recreate that, um, that choir experience in isolation, which is never going to hit that spot because it's, there's so much more there that is not just the singing, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, Lovely. I mean, Gareth Malone is my arch nemesis, but yeah, he uh, he does have a lot to answer for. It. And actually, we, I, he credit where credit's due. He's transformed, I think, uh, this country in terms of um, galvanizing a whole section of the population who didn't think that being a part of a choir was for them. And that is something I can really get on board with. So. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree.